when you think about Romans 8, think about these words. What an inheritance. What an inheritance. Oh, the great blessings of being in Christ. And that's really what the chapter is about. Romans chapter 8 is about how we can be made new in Christ. Really, when you look at Romans chapters 5 through 8, that's what that particular block of Scripture is all about. People made new in Christ. And when you get to chapter 8, our inheritance is discussed at length. What awaits the people of God? Now, when you look at Romans chapter 8... It is a chapter that talks a great deal about God. And God the Holy Spirit is mentioned a number of times in this chapter. Look at Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 in your Bible. And this passage says that the Holy Spirit... That the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to no longer know sin and death. The Spirit makes it possible for us to no longer know sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8 verse 2. And while it's really appropriate to say that God makes it possible for us to no longer know sin and death, it's just as right to say the Spirit makes it possible for us to no longer know sin and death. Now notice verses 5 through 8. While we can say that God makes it possible for us to know life and peace, what Romans 8, 5 through 8 say is... The Spirit makes it possible for us to know life and peace. Then when you look at verses 9 through 11, while we can say and it's accurate that God gives us life now and life to come, Romans 8, 9 through 11 state that it's the Spirit who gives us life and life to come. Look at verses 9 through 11. And so this is a marvelous chapter about what God has done in saving us and the great inheritance which is ours as Christians. Now, notice especially Romans 8 and verse 9. Romans 8 and verse 9. Because the passage says, If anyone has not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of His. Well, that makes a lot of sense when you think about what we've been reading in the first nine or so verses of Romans chapter 8. But it will make even more sense as the passage continues to unfold. Tonight, let's focus on Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. And some of the practical application or inner workings. How do we respond to a God that gives us such a great inheritance? How do we respond to the Father and the Son and the Spirit for giving us life and peace? 
for taking away sin and death in our lives and for giving us life now and life eternal to come. How do we respond to such a God? This passage deals with two specific ways. Two specific ways to respond to God. Look at verses 12 and 13. One of the ways is this. Live in the Spirit and put to death the works of the flesh. Live in the Spirit and put to death the works of the flesh. That's what Romans 8 verses 12 and 13 really are saying. Let's look at it a little more closely. Romans 8 begins in verse 12 by saying, So then, brethren. This is a transition. He wants people to really get the point of what he's saying. And in a way, this goes really well with Romans 8, 1 through 11, and what God has done in making salvation possible, and how we ought to respond as people who belong to the Lord. But in another sense, this is a transition statement that opens things up to what follows in verses 14 through 17. So it is a perfect transition because what transitions do is connect what has just been said with what will follow. And it's a really big communication technique, but it connects the cars of the train about what God is saying concerning the great salvation that we have in Christ. So then, brethren, it's a term of affection there. He goes on to say we are debtors or we are obligated. We're debtors or we're obligated. By this, jot down Romans 1.14, where Paul speaks of being a debtor to Jews and to Gentiles. But the real idea is that he is a debtor to God who not only saved him, but gave him a message, the message of the gospel, to declare to others. Romans 1 verse 1. Romans 1 verse 5. Romans 1 verse 9. There is this sense of obligation that God has done so much to give us life, to give us life and peace. How we respond to him is important. Notice that he goes on to say something like this. Here's the idea. Go back a couple of chapters. Go back to Romans 6 and verse 1. Where Paul asks at the beginning of that chapter this question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. May it never be. And go to Romans 6 and notice this in verse 11. Romans 6 and verse 11. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 13 and 14. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. 
For sin will not have dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now notice what Paul says by the Holy Spirit. When you look here, when you look at verses 13 and 14, he says, If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We do this by the Spirit. Catch that. By the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death... The works of the flesh, you will live. We are able to live in the Spirit and to put to death the works of the flesh with the Spirit's help. With the Spirit's help. That passage says, by the Spirit, we do this. Certainly, God is working in His Word. But the passage doesn't just say by His Word. He says by His Spirit. And that is a significant truth. Keep going with me now. Look, if you will, at the next verses, 14 through 17. If verses 12 and 13 say, live in the Spirit and put to death the works of the flesh. What that means really simply is this. Because I am in Christ and the Spirit is in me, I hate sin and want to sin less and less because I grow to love God more and more. Now, Look at verses 14 through 17. In verses 14 through 17 it says, Live as sons and daughters of God, heirs of all that is good. Live as sons and daughters of God, heirs of all that is good. Look at the verses. 14, 15, 16, and 17. And they have something in common. All of those verses speak of us as God's sons or daughters or God's children or our adoption into God's family. One verse after another, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Each one of them talk about us being in God's family, His son and His daughter. And how we are heirs of all that is good, together with Christ. Let's focus on the verses just a little more thoroughly. When you look at this section, I can't help but think about Galatians 5 where it talks about walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16, Galatians 5.26. But even more, 
look at what's said. As sons and daughters, as children of God, look at verse 14. It speaks of our being led by the Spirit. There is nothing miraculous about this. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to conform us more to the image of God's Son, Jesus. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to conform us more to the image of Jesus. And when we talk about this passage in Romans 8, in verse 14, listen. I don't believe it's so much a knowledge thing where the Spirit is telling us something that we didn't know. It is an encouragement thing. It is a help matter. Because the entire context here is dealing with how the Holy Spirit helps us in times of temptation to overcome sin. To put to death the works of the flesh. How might the Spirit do that? I think it's assuring enough to know that He does. Because this passage says that. So being led by the Spirit, and again, I assure you, the Spirit of God will never lead anyone in any way that's contrary to the Word of God. And all the Spirit wants to do is conform each one of us more to the Son of God. Leading is not so much the idea of guidance here as it is help and strength. A lot of times we don't need someone to guide us as much as we need a helping hand. And certainly temptation and sin is an area where we all need a helping hand. Amen? Continue with me. The contrast in verse 15 is we do not have a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of sonship or a spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is how the English standard renders it. Now stop for just a moment and follow me. I believe that the ESV got it right here. The spirit of adoption. Look in your Bibles for a moment at Acts 5 and verse 32. When one comes to Jesus, notice what is said in Acts 5 and verse 32. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Turn to Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. 
this spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And here's the passage that really seems to seal the deal, pardon my terminology. Look at Romans 8 and verse 23. Romans 8 and verse 23. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, which is the seal of the Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, evidently, which is given to those who obey Him, Acts 5, 32 which is the gift of the Spirit, Acts 2 and verse 38. Called the first fruits of the Spirit in Romans 8.23. We have the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God indwelling us. Now notice the use of the word we, especially beginning in Romans 8 and verse 15. As people of God who know life and peace, Romans 8, 15, we cry, Abba, Father. By that passage, Mark, Galatians 4 Verses 4 through 7 in your Bibles. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. I think it's interesting that Galatians 4, 4 through 7, as well as Romans 8 that we've been studying, are very Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Spirit involved in our salvation. May we be mindful of that glorious truth, what God has done to save us. Now notice, Abba, Father. Abba is a word that basically means Papa. Papa. It's a term of intimate relationship. This spirit of adoption makes us sons and daughters who can refer to the Father in an intimate, loving way. We cry out, Abba, Father. Secondly, notice verse 16. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are the sons of God. 14, 15, 16, 17. Children of God, sons of God, adopted as children of God. 
over and over. We are God's children. God's children should live and love in a way that reflects God's Son, Jesus. Our older brother who made all of this possible for us. The Spirit testifies with our spirit. You have two witnesses talking there. How does the Spirit testify? Well, in Scripture, we know how that the Word of God answers the question, what must I do to be saved? The Word of God answers the question, who is a Christian? And when we humbly and lovingly submit to God's will, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Romans 8 verse 1. Now notice verse 17 and two we items. We, by implication, we are heirs of God and heirs together with Christ. And if we suffer with Him, if we suffer with Him, we will be glorified with Him. And what that does is open up verses 18 through 30. And the idea of God's glory and how He shares that with us because of Jesus. Now a word or two about adoption. You know, adoption was not very common uh, among the Jews. It was more common, though somewhat rare, among the Greeks and the Romans. But in Paul's writing, there is an emphasis on our being adopted into God's family. And really, go back in Romans with me. Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto... What? Salvation. Mark that. It's one of the great words about what God did to save us in Jesus. To deliver us from sin. Turn to Romans 3, 21 through 26. And there's a cluster of terms here. About what God does to save, to deliver us from sin in Jesus. You will see these words. Justification. See it in Romans 3, 21 through 24 especially. Redemption, propitiation. So far in Romans then, great words about our deliverance from sin. Salvation, propitiation, justification, redemption. Turn to Romans 5, 1 through 12. Romans 5, 1 through 12. Another term. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Romans 5, 1 through 12. And you look at these terms. 
deliverance from sin, salvation. A term from the temple, propitiation, a sacrifice needs to be made and God needs to be appeased because he's hurt by sin. Redemption, a term of the marketplace that we are bought and paid for people that we could never extricate or remove ourselves from the financial bondage we found ourselves in. Reconciliation. Estranged, distanced from one another, aloof, brought back together. Now turn to Romans 8. And when we look at Romans 8, especially verses 14 through 17, the term is adoption. Adoption. Some passages that will help. Look, if you will, at Ephesians 1 5. Ephesians 1 5. Brother Terry, if you don't mind, stand up and read Ephesians 1 5 for everybody. Before the world was even created. Ephesians 1 5, past reality. The possibility of adopting us was in God's mind at the beginning. Brother Lynn, if you would stand and read Romans 8 15 and 16. Romans 8 15 and 16. present reality, our adoption as a past reality in the great mind of God, our adoption as a present reality according to Romans chapter 8 verses 15 and 16. Now stop Adam if you don't mind and read Romans 8.23. Romans 8.23. The future reality. Adoption past, adoption present, adoption future. We eagerly await the adoption. We know that we're in this family. We know that we're heirs together with God and Christ. A few words about adoption at this particular time in history that are really helpful. First of all, adoption involved removing a young person from one set of circumstances into an entirely new circumstance. 
I think we could learn something about some of the adoption rules, maybe, of the Greeks and Romans. From one set of old circumstances to an entirely new, better set of circumstances. Here's something else to consider with adoption. With the Greeks, debts were canceled that a young person might have incurred as a family member. All the debts were canceled. Now stop and think with with me about this. When we go from sin to Jesus and life, the old circumstances to an entirely new, different set of circumstances, all the debts are canceled. In adoption, a child was to be considered just as important and loved as a biological child. In adoption, a child was to be considered just as important and loved as a biological child. Think about that by way of application. Everything about the cross says that God values you. That you are important to Him. And that you are so important that Jesus came for you. And here's another area as we wrap things up to consider. When an adoption occurred, when an adoption occurred, there was a change in name. When an adoption occurs and one becomes a son and daughter of God, there's a name change. They're Christians. Think about this chapter and the inheritance that we have. Heirs of God, heirs together with Christ. And then it says, if we suffer with Him, if we are willing to suffer with Him, we can live with Him. You've listened well. My time is gone. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement in just a moment. And maybe someone here needs to look at their life as a Christian and say, You know, I want to live in the Spirit and I want to put to death the works of the flesh. I want to put to death sin in my life more. And I need God's help and I need your prayers. Please pray for me. It may be that someone needs to say something like this. Sometimes I don't know that I'm really valued or important to anybody. But tonight's lesson has helped me see again how important and valued I am by God. And if God treasures you, you are incredibly important. Think about this if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian... Don't you want life and peace? Don't you want to avoid sin and death? Don't you want hope in this life and in the life to come?
And through faith and repentance and baptism, you can have life in Christ. Let us stand and sing.